Mindful self-indulgence contains adult language, content, and spoilers for the topic at hand. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, my name is Seraph. Let's talk about Neon Genesis Evangelion. Sarah, where did you find Evangelion? Probably Adult Swim or your Canadian equivalent? Well, that's just the thing. The Canadian equivalent didn't have Evangelion. Oh. Uh, we didn't have, like, any of the good anime. We had Dragon Ball Z, but it was always, like, months or years behind Adult Swim or Cartoon Network or whatever the heck it aired on in the U.S. Interesting. But a friend of mine... Uh, who was way more into Dragon Ball Z than I was, <laughs> was, like, telling me about this anime where it had, like, all these awesome angels attacking, and I was like, oh, that sounds neat. I want to check that out. So I did. <laughs> and that's it. And that was the end of your journey <laughs> with Evangelion. Yeah, I checked it out, and I guess it was pretty cool, okay? I, a little bit. I liked it, maybe. It was pretty good. It was all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, next time... <laughs> <laughs> no, Evangelion's my favorite anime and probably my favorite TV show. I think you have to have watched it as a, as a teenager for it to have as much impact as it did on us, but it still holds up on its own now, I think. Just not quite as well. Well, here's the funny thing about that. I didn't really get into Evangelion as a teenager, as one might think, for somebody who's as obsessed oh. with it as I am. What happened was I found uh, the Rebuild movies uh, whenever I went to go check it out, and only the first mm. one was out at the time. The first one sticks really closely to the source material. It totally does. So I watched that, and I was like, okay, this was the dopest shit I have ever seen, so I need to go back and yeah. watch this immediately. And so I mainlined... Rebuild Ramiel. Oh, man, Rebuild Ramiel so good. Like... So good. Oh, so fucking good. Like, people... So good. <laughs> guys, I know I know that people hate the rebuilds, but, like, but Ramiel, though. But, guys... Ramiel's my favorite angel, other than Adam. Ramiel is my favorite non-gay space Jesus angel. <laughs> yeah, we technically have the same favorite, just you like a different form of him than I do. Fair enough. So, yeah, I found those, and then I went back and rewatched everything, and it was... A lot <laughs> over the course of like three days. And oh, jeez, three days. Yeah, and then I watched. That's, that's it, not healthy. No, I watched it over like a month. Turns out not so healthy. Uh, and then I watched End of Evangelion, um, which was a lot, a lot of, a lot, a lot. It was a lot, a lot of a lot. lot. It was a whole lot just of so lots. Much a lot. So many lots. Yeah. You have no idea how many lots. So. I, we both have gone through a rewatch to prepare for this series. That's not mm-hmm. exactly something we're hiding, is it? I mean, no, there's there's no reason to, and I watch the show all the time anyway. This was just a convenient excuse for me to mainline it over a couple days. So I've been slowly plotting my way through it over months, just because that's just how it happened. Uh, Dallas, you watched it over a couple days, I think you said? I started literally on... We were recording this on a Wednesday, and I started it yesterday morning. Watched <laughs> all, literally all I did yesterday was watch. And then I woke up today, and I had like an hour of not doing Evangelion. And then it was all Evangelion until we started recording at like nine o'clock my yeah. local time. So, because, because of the Netflix release, there's been a lot of discourse about it because Dallas and I have been watching it. There's been an additional amount of discourse about it in my Discord, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you posted a picture recently that... Uh, let me pull it up here so I can quote it properly. Oh, goodness. It's four frames, and it, the first frame is a hand sticking out of the water saying, I just finished Evangelion. And the second one is a hand reaching to get to like help the person who's drowning... And they say, I'm so confused, what happened? And rather than grabbing the hand in the third frame, they give him a high five. It says, watch the movie. And in the fourth frame, it's the hand falling into the water, presumably drowning. And the question is, did he just jack off? (laughs) 
That's how End of Evangelion starts. <laughs> to, to frame how cheery this the ending of this series is, it starts with our 14-year-old mentally ill, wrecked with daddy and abandonment issues protagonist going to one of his I, fellow pilots in the hospital. Yeah. Who was part Were of the you hospital. about to say friend? I, yeah, that, not, 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 not a accurate. friend. <laughs> not accurate. Uh, one of his associates. Co-pilots. Co-pilots. <laughs> Kyron Nagisa is my co-pilot Yeah, he goes to visit A character named Asuka In the hospital, and then, like She doesn't wake up, and he's like, I need help Somebody help me, because it's Because that's what Shinji does And then And, like, to be fair He's in a moment of extreme crisis Oh, yeah, his boyfriend He just had to kill his boyfriend, so Wouldn't you be? Popped his boyfriend's head off, and not in a fun way. Not, not in a fun way. And she doesn't wake up. She don't so wake up. What does he do? He jacks off to her. That's how that movie starts, guys. It gets darker from there. That's probably the least dark thing that happens. Somehow. Yeah. What a show. I love it. It's <laughs> fucked up. It is. It's it's so the lowest of the low. Are you gonna explain that quote? Uh. I guess. I mean, I can, or I could just make them have to try and put it together because the fucking Netflix version is the okay. We're gonna we're gonna front load this shit. Okay. Here's yeah. What, let's let's get right into it. It's you, it's the reason we're talking about it right now, yeah. anyways. So, Evangelion has been in limbo and licensing limbo for more than a decade now. I think Manga Entertainment put out the DVD of End of Evangelion in two thousand four. But that sounds about right. Other than that, like ADV hasn't been a thing. Who was the original license holder stateside and the dubbing company that did it? And then Manga Entertainment did the movie. And since then, Gainax has just kind of held on to the license because people pay out the ass to import copies anyway. So why, why sell it stateside to anybody? And then Netflix came along and they said, "Hey, yo." We got There's a more m- of cash, presumably. <laughs> yeah, we have more money than God. Uh, maybe give us, maybe give us the giant robot show. What the nerds like, and so <laughs> they did. And so now Netflix, uh, under the direction of Gynax, produced a new dub and sub for it. And I am sure that the dub cast are great, talented people. Um, we have there's a non-binary person who's playing Shinji in the dub cast and like that is so oh, that's cool. fucking rad and I wish that's what we were talking about I wish we were talking about how I, fucking cool that is quick aside is the voice performance any good I don't have enough experience to say either way I'm sure the person is talented but the scripts that they were given for both the dub and the Ugh. subtitling are Ugh. they hurt us y'all they physically cause us pain because this isn't even something I'm overly sensitive to. I can deal with it, but it was really bad. It's not good, guys. It's And it sucks because that's the version that people who have been told, hey, you got to check out this anime that you can't get fucking mm-hmm. anywhere. You need to watch it. And so now that it's legally available and everywhere across the fucking world on Netflix, this is the version people are getting. And so... Lots of lines that are mainstays in Evangelion, like, I mustn't run away, or Karu saying, I love you to Shinji, or in End of Evangelion saying, I'm so fucked up, have been changed. And you may think a one-to-one, like, literal translation is good in the abstract, but y'all have used Google Translate. Y'all know that's not true. You listening to this, you you know what happens when you try to run one language through Google Translate and pop out a translation on the other. It comes out real jank, and you lose a lot of cultural context. And that's what happened here, and it's really disappointing. The most egregious of this is a line where I don't think either of us remember the original. Well, you might, since you just rewatched this episode, right? The, the original... You are worthy of my grace. What's the original line? Did you catch it? The original is something to the effect of, you've earned my regard. And and then he clarifies, which means I love you. Yeah. And to be fair, if it was you are worthy of my grace and then clarified it to I love you, mm-hmm. that would actually be pretty dope because it, it does speak to the whole like angelic nature of that character. 
yeah, I, I, I would be fine with that if they let left in the I love you of the two male characters taking a bath together and holding hands <laughs> buck-ass fucking naked after Shinji's been instead, blushing his fucking face off at this... Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah. <laughs> but, in, but instead, we have this character in this incredibly gay situation, and he just says, I like you. And why? Why change it? I, I don't know. This is compounded, I think, because we have now two decades worth uh, of discourse over people swearing up and down that this character, Karu Nagisa, is not gay, and it's in fact just a bro doing bro things with Shinji like bros do. Nah. And so for nah, and it's gay as hell. Yeah, he's super fucking gay. And so for and we're not using this in a bad way. No, we fucking love. We ship the hell out of Shinji Kawushin, and Yeah, Kaushin is my ship, and I don't ship things like. Yeah. Well, I also ship Asuka and Mari in the Rebuild movies because they're super fucking cute and perfect for each other. But that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> we'll have to wait to get into that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the, the, clearly, there's there's clearly like affection and so compassion. So much tension. And it's it's it is obvious to anybody with two sets of eyeballs who has ever talked to a single gay person, or talked to someone they've been attracted to, or had someone who they're attracted to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like it's just obvious what's going on. Yeah, it's so obvious. It's really fucking disappointing, and I wish that that this was not how we were kind of starting. Our conversation of Evangelion, but... Uh, it's, it was unavoidable. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's probably best to get all this out of the way early, so that hopefully it doesn't hang its head over this whole fucking conversation. But yeah, guys... So the... Specifically, the the lowest of the low mm-hmm. is what Shinji says in the Netflix dub, yes. rather than I'm so I'm fucked so up. I'm so fucked up. And, like, that is a literal which translation, is a much, but... Which is a much more, like impactful line in English. Yeah, it's a it's a gut punch say, moment. I'm so fucked up because of what just happened, because of the way that it is. Because it is, because it is so fucked up. Um I've seen more faithful translations out there that translate it as I'm the worst, which I am also okay with. But I'm the lowest yeah. of the low is not a thing that a human person says. That's not how people yeah. talk. That's not how human beings make words. Not in English. Yeah. Localization is an art that is not... It doesn't get the respect that it deserves, I think, in particularly the anime community. Because sometimes you get bad localization and you get shit like jelly donuts for rice balls, but (laughs) also there's just a ton of stuff that won't translate one-to-one. Yeah, and even some of the best translations, they just don't... They just won't get it right 100%. But... This one is especially bad, in my opinion. Rewatching it this last time, it really sunk in that it wasn't until the mid to late teens where the series really gets dark. I don't know about that. They they are pulling the wool over your eyes in the the early earlier episodes, mm-hmm. but they are still showing you that like this is fucked up. There, you just haven't I noticed mean, yet. There are breadcrumbs. But, and we have small moments. Breadcrumbs. End of episode two, Shinji mm-hmm. remembers what happens in the fight with um, Sachiel, the third angel. Correct. That's the, that's like the intro to the series. Sure. It's hyper-violent. Mm-hmm. And then you see Shinji kind of come to outside of the Evangelion, and he looks over and sees the eye regrow itself. And... As he does many times in the series, he lets out one of his blood-curdling screams because he's freaked the fuck out over what's going on. As one would be, as a 14-year-old boy that just witnessed yeah. all that. <laughs> yeah, and you realize this giant robot you're piloting, whoops, maybe it's not a robot. It might be a breadcrumb, but it's a fairly obvious and big breadcrumb. Mm-hmm. It's more like a quarter of a piece of toast. Yes. And I think that moment's really impactful, and it's a good hook for people. But then we also spend most of the next, like, 12 episodes just having a Monster of the Week show. Yeah. And I and 
that Monster of the Week show is a good Monster of the Week show. And these characters are lovable and endearing. But then, like, you get into the later part of the teens, and the big ball angel, Lelil, shows up, and Shinji gets dropped into a, another dimension. His mom in this big robot rips its way out of another dimension, and blood covers the fucking city, and it's... And then, like, the next couple episodes, Bardiel shows up, which is the angel that takes over Unit 3, and... That gets real fucking nasty, and that's real close to human-on-human yeah. human violence, because these things are shaped like people, and have organs like people, and we see a skull get caved in, and blood spatter everywhere, and limbs get ripped off, and entrails get ripped out. But yeah, it's right around there, and it's when Tochi gets chosen to be the pilot of Unit 3, or right around that area, where I feel like Evangelion becomes Evangelion, and that is... Nobody's safe. Things are fucked up. Everybody's depressed. Shit is not going to go the way you want it to. For me, it's around episode 19 where Evangelion becomes itself. And that's the episode with Zeruel. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but biblical names. Not a, not a, not a biblical scholar. Not an exact science, as it were. And it, like that's only, what, two episodes later, in my opinion? Yeah, that's only a couple episodes later. And like, if I'm being, if I want to, if I want to talk about specifically the episodes that, to me, that I think of when I think about encompassing the whole of the tone of the series, then it's starting with the director's cuts from like 21 to the end of the series and then end of Evangelion. Like that is, in my mind, that is, those are the episodes that give me the feeling that comes to mind whenever I hear the words Evangelion. 21 is the Nerve episode, the birth of Nerve. And then from there, it's Asuka gets fucked up, Rey gets fucked up, Karu gets fucked up, everything's fucked up. Where's the episode where Shinji gets turned into LCL for the first time? That's 20, that's right after the Zuriel. Yeah. Episode. That's a fucked up episode. Yeah. And one of my favorite episodes of the series is all the way back in, like, episode 15, which is just, like... A pretty chill episode. I don't think they fight anybody in that whole episode. I think it's just no. I don't think so. Character building and it's uh, it's when they visit uh, Yui's grave, right? I yes, it's whenever they visit Yui's grave. It's whenever Asuka and Shinji have their little kiss. It's where Kaji and Ritsuko and Masato all go to that wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all just character moments, but it really. Kind of, I think if you just saw that episode by itself, it tells you everything you need to know about those characters. There's a lot of good episodes throughout the entire show. I'm not saying that it only becomes good at episode 19. <laughs> I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't have made it through the show. Right. Um, <laughs> if you had to wait till like 19 for, to get to good stuff. Yeah. 19 out of 26? No thanks. I would have passed. <laughs> uh, I was hooked at the end of episode 2. I was really interested all throughout episode one. But by the end of episode two, I was just like, what? <laughs> what? I, would, I was so confused. Yeah, I would say in general, don't give up on the show early if it's not your thing. Because the second half of the show and the first half of the show, they are the same show, but they're kind of not entirely the same show like it feels like if we're dividing this up into seasons and the first like 13 episodes are season one season one is much lighter in tone and content than season two is by a long shot yeah not to say it's light in content just lighter First of all, all of you should be watching this. Preferably not on Netflix, and I hate having to say that, but, like, there it is. Um, at least watch everything through Ramiel. Watch that first little arc, because I think, like, that is the first arc of the show. Yeah, for sure. And then go from there, because it just gets better from there. Then Asuka shows up, and we have this whole other dynamic to play with. Then, later in the teens, things get 
things get pretty nasty, and you'll probably want to stick around for that. We keep saying, oh, it's fucked up, you'll love it. Um, and, of course, it takes a certain type of person to to get through the fucked mm-hmm. up stuff mm-hmm. and still enjoy it. But it's not fucked up, for me at least. I don't find that it's fucked up for the sake of being fucked up. It's fucked up to explore interesting ideas and concepts. Yes. The more fucked up it gets, the better it gets at delving into those concepts and ideas. I feel like it's very universal in its themes and some but like some people may not have the constitution might not be the right word. Um they not they may not be in the right frame of mind. They may not uh, it's hard to recommend because the way It's a heavy show. Yeah, the way that I deal with mental illness sometimes is I know that I need to kind of dive into those feelings and come out the other side to help process them and to kind of externalize that shit. And for some people that that are in that same frame of mind that I am, where Evangelion will help me pull through that and pull that negative shit out of me, it will just make things worse for them. Yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely see how this would send you deeper. And that's depression, at least. Right. Watching this. Because it is dealing with shit like depression and isolation and mental illness and separation anxiety and. The hedgehog's dilemma. Hedgehog's dilemma and abandonment issues and how to relate to other human beings. And it's a lot. (laughs) It's it's a fucking lot. It's not shit. Like, if you're going into this to, to see robots fight other robots, it's not the show for you. It's No, go it, watch a different one. There's plenty of those. Yeah. This one isn't that. The best thing about this show, in my opinion, is that it's not about robots fighting other robots. Right. That's just, that's just not what the show's about. Full stop. It's not a punch opera. There are plenty of those. Yeah. This actually might be a decent time to segue into one of my favorite parts about the show, which <laughs> is not just how awesome the... Oh, have I ever told you about my theory or my, my saying about uh, plot scones and underlying junk? Plot scones? Yeah. Are we having tea time? No. They're caramel scones with icing on top. Oh my it's god. It's a dessert. Okay. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a phrase that a friend of mine... Um, and I came up with because uh, I don't know why some one day he said plot scones plot like when scones. something awesome happened and I was like plot scones and he was like plot scones and I was like yeah but check out all this underlying junk and he was like oh man all the best anime have plot scones and underlying junk <laughs> and we've been talking a lot about the underlying junk mm-hmm. but like hot damn the plot scones <laughs> are fucking tasty as shit in this show. Hot damn the plot scones. (laughs) Well, they're really good. One of the notes we made when we were coming up with things we wanted to make sure we talked about was that we talked about the lore of the show. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's really intense. And, like, there's a lot of gaps and a lot of stuff you gotta fill in yourself, but also there's secondary canon, and it's really interesting as well. And, like... There's a lot for the show to offer you here. Yeah, there is so much of the fun of Evangelion is piecing it together with what you're given. What you're given is really rad. And then you spend the next decade of your life figuring out what it all means. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, if you haven't put it together yet, the the Evangelions are not giant robots. They are clones of the first and second angels. Yeah, all of them except Unit 1 are clones of Adam. Yes, and that Unit 1 is a clone of Lilith. Yes. The lore in Evangelion is that humanity is the quote-unquote 18th angel. The offspring of the angel Lilith, which we apparently keep locked up in a dungeon in its its egg. We keep it locked up in its egg in Japan (laughs) underground. With a giant tuning fork. How did Lilith get there? And like, 
there's an episode where Ray goes down with the giant tuning fork mm-hmm. and apparently stabs her with it. Right. So like that all happens off screen. You just see you see Ray in Unit Zero mm-hmm. with the tuning fork. Yep. Like marching towards where Lilith is, and then it fades to black. And then, and then when you see Lilith, it has the tuning fork in it. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, so why? To halt its growth. But why? I don't know. I don't how did know. They, how, like, how did they un Like, why? Like, this is great questions. I'm not expecting hmm. an answer from you. I'm just, as a fan, these are things that I think about. Like, sure. why is Lilith crucified in her, uh, was it the Black Moon? Is that what it's called? Yep, in the Black Moon. Crucified down there, just on a big red cross. Just this big, gnarly-looking alien with a fucking... a big. It looks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, but naked. And then wearing a mask made out of moon craters with, like, seven eyes. Yep. Yep. Like, what the fuck? And that's the least weird angel in the show. Uh... I would argue that Lilith is probably the weirdest angel in the show. Do you think so? Lest we forget the Tang. I mean, well, Adam Tang's people too. See, we're getting real distracted by all these tangents of lore. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the cool thing about the lore. The lore is just so awesome. Like, there's, it's so cool. Like, just the, the internal logic of the show, just like take the philosophy and the psychology out for a second Mm -hmm. there's so many like really interesting and like fascinating things going on but then you also have these like underlying tones of like you know the abandonment and this the the depression mental illness in general and like oh man i love this show (laughs) it's just so much good stuff going on all the time it is a very meaty show and you will often hear people say that like the plot is not the point of evangelion and that all the character building is the point of evangelion and like if that's why you want to watch the show you can totally do that and there's plenty to chew on there more to chew on there than in a lot of other shows especially other shows in its like demographic or genre or however you want to classify it but then this plot that people think is simultaneously paper thin and bloated which I mean in some ways I kind of get the latter half of that but not entirely but I don't agree with that criticism at all but it's also way vaster than you're probably going to catch on your first watch through of the series. Well, I was messaging Dallas during my rewatch and I had tons of questions still. <laughs> and like, this was not our first conversation about Evangelion. Like Dallas and uh, I, our friendship was forged through uh, a healthy debate about whether or not Evangelion 3.33 the, the rebuild movie was good or not the the answer is is yes Lesnar I'm I'll take I will die on that hill and people will hate <laughs> me for it they will look at me up on that hill and like and be like that is dumbass hill where the dumbass died <laughs> hey look at that dumbass who died on that hill but I fucking love that movie y'all but go ahead we're not gonna get into it we're not no. gonna get into another day for this episode there's there's too much there's too much just in the main series for us to try and cover in the small amount of time we have I just I fucking love the lore, dude. It's I, I can I can go on for for days about the cool stuff in there and like mm-hmm. the the calling them angels and like why why it's treated as like a um religious iconography and all that and like the meanings behind that and like because like we we do find out through secondary canon that there is some validity to that because it turns out that Adam and Lilith were sent to Earth to populate it. <clears throat> but just, they weren't both supposed to be there. And because of an accident, they both ended up there. And that's what sets up this 
giant conflict later on and there is some like literal intent for this to be a genesis story about how life ends up on earth it is certainly that and i think that parallel is valid I think most of the symbology and iconography, as according to stuff interviews that Ano has had in the Anno's past, Ano is the creator director yeah, of the Hideki show. Ano, Ano Hideki. I don't know. You choose. The he said in the past that like he just thought it looked cool. He just thought it was, you know how when you go to see like a high budget like movie from the nineties about like karate and it's just all this semi racist set dressing if not overtly yeah. racist set dressing amongst everything yeah. else, and that's the way that they use Buddhism in those movies or martial arts. Well, think that, but in the reverse. <laughs> yeah, but I also think that he leaned into it mm-hmm. more than he recognizes sometimes. Sure. Because, like, he, like, the... He came up, like... So you were, you were telling me that the first ancestral race, which is this super advanced race that is supposed to exist in the Evangelion universe, they go about and they send out either uh, eggs with the fruit of life or eggs with the fruit of knowledge. Am I correct here? Correct. And you're only ever supposed to have one on a given planet. And that's because they have both and they don't want any species to have the power of both knowledge and life. Right. And that sets up the conflict because Adam and his offspring have the the fruit of life and Lilith and her offspring have the fruit of knowledge and they're not supposed to coexist so there's this built-in fail-safe so that one of them will get shut down and that they won't both exist because apparently if both of them exist there is a way to combine their knowledge and life powers which we would know as the impact events there's some amount of gray area as to what is what's an impact what constitutes the human instrumentality project what actually means them combining the failsafes were the spears that they sent with them or the lance depending on the translation yeah. that you're Watching, the lances of Longinus are supposed to stop them from growing and spreading their life. For whatever reason, they say whose, one of them was broken or something. Like pre, <laughs> pre-life. Pre-all things. <laughs> yes. You know when things happened? Before that. Yeah. Long time ago. So, should we talk about the several different forms that an impact can take uh yes would you like to go first (laughs) okay yes because dallas and i may not even agree on this and my opinion and his opinion are very likely to adapt and change as we discuss this (laughs) because more new information (laughs) always comes up during these conversations so as i understand it a impact event occurs when a progenitor comes in contact with the offspring of some other progenitor or maybe even the same progenitor. So if a Lilith kid touches Lilith or an Adam kid touches Adam or an Adam kid touches Lilith or a Lilith kid touches Adam, bam, impact event. And it's important to distinguish that Lilith and Adam need to be whole. For the majority of this series, both of them are separated body and soul. Yes. And so whenever you come into contact with them like that, it doesn't seem to trigger anything. Yes, because we have the instance of Adam literally being grafted onto Gendo's hand. Correct. And that doesn't seem to And Karu can like sort of impact. touch people. So, like, either way, it can't just be a body or a soul. So, what happens when there's an impact? Tang? Tang. It's Tang time. So, when you've heard us refer to tanging, mm-hmm. it's when an, a, a human's AT field is... <laughs> well, not a human. When an organism's... Yes. AT field is broken down. 
which an AT field keeps their soul inside their body. Yes. It's the, they call it the walls of your soul or the walls of your heart, depending on the translation. So when your AT field gets kerplanked, then you turn into LCL, which is the fluid that they use to oxygenate the pilot's blood. But also <laughs> it comes from Lilith because she's just constantly bleeding Tang. Yep. It's weird. Just constantly bleeding Tang. So yeah, what they fill the cockpits with in these big not robots that are actually giant Clones. eldritch abominations yep. that have giant restrictors placed around them and their mommies are in there. All the pilots' moms are just jammed in there. Their souls are. LCL is like the Earth's amniotic fluid or something to that effect. It's the primordial, primordial suit. suit. So we're led to believe that throughout the entire series, the angels are trying to return to Adam so that they can do an impact event that way, which would be an Adam offspring touching an Adam. But then we find out that they were actually heading for Lilith. And we don't know if they know that or not. Except for Gagiel, I think is its name, the shark one, which does seem that, to have yeah. been heading for Adam. Because Adam was with Kaji at the time, who was bringing it to Gendo to put in Gendo's hand. Because reasons. Yes. So my theory is that maybe they can just detect the nearest progenitor mm -hmm. and any contact between an offspring and a progenitor will create an impact event. I believe secondary canon states as much. Which when... To to frame that, for everybody who's heard us say that word a million times, secondary canon that we're referencing is the hidden files for completing the N64 version of Neon Genesis Evangelion that was only released in Japan on the hardest difficulty. And it's all this information that we're pulling from for secondary canon. And that seems like a weird place to get secondary canon. Yeah, and it seems like something you might consider not secondary canon, maybe tertiary or quartiary or entheary. Or all the other Terry's. Terry Crews, maybe. <laughs> but it comes from an interview that they had with Hideki Anno, who just sat down for like hours and they just asked him all these questions. So, as far as I am concerned, since that is, like, in tropes terms, word of God, then it's totally viable information to factor into this universe with all these holes in it anyway. So, we've got a rough understanding of what an impact event is. There are at least three proposed impacts, impact scenarios... Well, two proposed and way, one that actually happens. Yeah, I think the uh, the way it's defined for the general public is like an extinction-level impact to the planet. And they think that... Like, the first one was whatever created the moon. Yes. And it flung our moon, the moon off into orbit. Now we have a moon. The second one was whenever we came in contact with Adam and... That happened at the South Pole in continuity during the Katsuragi expedition in the last year of last century, I believe is what they say. So, yeah, 2000. And then the third impact is when shit goes bonkers? Um, yes, and this is this is what I'm describing is there, there are three sort of like scenarios for this impact. Gendo seems to have a plan to make this happen. Sele seems to have a plan to make this happen. And then Lilith chooses a third one with like an insane amount of trepidation behind that question. Yeah, it's hard to tell because ultimately I think Yui got her way. And Yui was working for Sele, but also married to Gendo. And 
it's hard to really kind of delineate who exactly got their way there, but we know that Sele didn't quite get what they wanted. I think I think I can unpack this. I've spent a lot of time theorizing okay. how this all sh- sh- shakes out. So I'm going to try and unpack this, and you can let me know what you think about it. So <laughs> Lilith's soul is inside Ray's body. Yes? Correct. Each of the Rays seems to possess Lilith's soul at some point. Usually when they're alive. <laughs> so Ray seems to figure out what's going on at the start of End of Evangelion and gets Adam's genetic material, which maybe, probably, has Karu, Karu's soul, Adam's soul in it. I think Karu's soul is not reconstituted only because then it would be a Lilith it would be one of the Lilum coming into contact with Adam and it would cause another impact. So Karu's soul is, if it didn't go anywhere, it's just chilling in the LCL when his head got popped off. <laughs> yeah, because souls can just float in LCL. That tracks, actually. I guess. We, we, don't know, we don't know how... We know that they can be salvaged. We know a soul can be salvaged based off of dialogue. And we know that it can happen after somebody dies. Uh, both because of dialogue and because of everybody who got wiped out getting tanged. So, I think, personally, Karu's soul is just kind of chilling in that, that nasty orange orangutan juice. Okay, so Karu's soul, Adam's soul, same thing. Adam is the... Karu is to Ray as Adam is to Lilith. So, Adam's soul is inside of Kauru, and he seems to be aware of it a lot earlier on than Lilith slash Ray is. Okay, so we've got Lilith, Ray, who I'm just going to call Ray now, because she's figured everything out, and she seems to be her own person now. And she definitely seems to, like, she becomes giant naked Ray, not giant naked Lilith. Um, so she's adopting this Ray personality. She's sorting out what's going on. She gets Adam's genetic material and then reunites with her body. Mm-hmm. At that point, she starts tanging everybody or shortly thereafter through the ceremony. You know, some crazy shit happens with Unit 1. The production Avas do some crazy dance and they expand an anti-AT field and everyone turns into Tang. My take is that Lilith is letting Shinji make the decisions and Yui is guiding Shinji. So Yui is getting what she wants because Shinji is the one who's making the shot. They're calling the shots. Right. And Shinji is being able to call the shots because he had the relationships he did with Rei and Kaoru. Mm -hmm. Also of important note here, somewhere, if, if Kaoru's soul wasn't inside of Adam, which... I'm digging your theory that if it was, it would have made another impact event right away. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Kaoru somehow gets involved in Giant Naked Ray, and it also appears and becomes Giant Naked Kaoru for a bit. So they're both there. Lilith and Adam, Kaoru and Ray, And they're helping Shinji decide what to do. Or not... Sh- helping Shinji so much as enabling Shinji to decide how instrumentality shakes out. Mm-hmm. And Yui is also there. Her soul's trapped inside of Unit 1. Unit 1 is involved because Yui wants to make sure that there is a way to preserve the human race in perpetuity. And that was her entire plan was to make sure that she is stuck inside that forever to make sure that no matter what happens to the human race that there's, yeah, there's always proof, proof that, that they, they existed. existed. She kind of gets her way that way. She's guiding Shinji through instrumentality. Ray and Kaoru are also guiding him through it, and then he makes the decisions. Now, what does Sele want out of instrumentality? We don't know. To become a god? To become one with everybody? It kind of seems like they got what they wanted. And Gendo, Gendo just gets fucked, apparently which I'm totally okay with because he wanted, he wanted to quote unquote be taken to Yui and uh, 
Moon Girl says no. <laughs> Moon Girl says no. Ray is pretty much Moon Girl. There's all this association with Ray and the Moon in the original series. Yeah, for sure. So does that track? Is that how you interpret all that? Yes, and I think Sele gets what they wanted temporarily, and that everybody gets tanged, and they wanted everyone to get tanged, so that we're all just one yeah. soup, and we've transcended the boundaries of our human bodies. But the contingency yeah. there is, because of Shinji's decision, that can be reversed, if people just want to be people. I think it's kind of the best of all worlds, because... Is it, though? Have you seen that world? <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, You're just drinking Tang your whole life. It's That's so gross. Yeah, that's your life. Like, especially, you know what's in that Tang. People. <laughs> the Tang is people. <laughs> we should probably also talk about uh, the fact that this was a 90s show, and yeah. that it's a Japanese show, and that there's unfortunately a lot of objectification and really rigid gender roles being reinforced. Despite the fact that yeah. we get gay space Jesus. There's a lot of, like, you're a boy, you're a man. You're a boy, you aren't you? doing this. Man up. Act like a boy. I, I found myself very uncomfortable with that, with the rewatch. And to some extent, I didn't like it even as a teenager. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't nearly as woke as I am now. Sure. It's a product of its time, for sure. And to be fair, uh, the rebuild has a lot less of the gender role stuff, at least. That's true. There's certainly less of that. Though I think there is like one or two little lines that still sneak in. Yeah, I don't think it's completely gone, but it is... It's it's somewhat central to the, the crisis that Shinji's going through, right? Is that mm-hmm. he's being expected to do all of these uh, great things... And he feels like he can't. Like, there's just no way that he could possibly do what's being asked of him. Mm-hmm. And there's another way There's another way to present it, but, you know, at the time, that was certainly one way to do it. Not a health, uh, helpful or a healthy way, but it gets the point across. It is, and it certainly helps when deconstructing what exactly is going on there and, like, looking at it through, like, critical gender studies... In terms yeah, of like I don't even, film studies approach, then like there's a lot to deconstruct there and what's going on, and you could make the argument that like it's exactly what he shouldn't be doing. And I think even in the rebuilds, I think there's a lot of deconstruction happening in that second movie of what's expected of the pilots and what actually happens whenever they do the things that the fan base has been yelling for the last twenty years for them to do, and then shit goes fucking awful when they do. But yeah. Um, that aside, it is it is a product of its time. <laughs> you could even argue that the gender role crap is there to show you that it's stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Evangelion is an exercise in saying that, like, when you demand people act this way, terrible things happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, like, that's, what's the word, lampshading? Just because... Yeah. Just because you're pointing out that it's bad doesn't mean that it's okay to keep showing it over and over again. But for something from the 90s that's actually kind of progressive, at the same time, it could have just done without it. Yeah, I don't. I think that's being a bit too generous with it, but it is certainly a reading that one could have of it. I think they do much better with Karu was gay, and Shinji totally loved Karu. He says it like five fucking times over the course of just one movie and one episode. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some good stuff there, but there's also some not great stuff. Lots of objectification of fourteen year old girls. That's it's it is anime. Yeah. It certainly is anime. Which is still a thing they do all the time. They're like, I know she looks like she's six, but she's actually a billion year old vampire yeah. from another dimension because anime. Which I don't hate that trope. I just would prefer if they weren't being sexualized while that was happening. For sure. Which they always are. They they generally always. are. Often. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that ended up on Netflix. Like, it's there. You know what really surprises me about Netflix? Is the end of Evangelion, it's like TV 14, yo. <laughs> really? Wow, we've really become desensitized to violence. And, and vaginas. And- <laughs> 
his vagina's they're all not, over that movie. They're not literal vaginas, so it's fine. They have a they have clitorises, Sarah. They're they're clitori. <laughs> clitori. Clitorati. <laughs> I'd like to meet the clitorati. Would you? That sounds like a fun group of people. Clitorati is my Pussy Riot cover band. Oh god. Well, is there anything you wanted to say about Neon Genesis Evangelion that we haven't gotten to talk about yet? It was my one of my first more uh, darker anime. Mm-hmm. I think it was the first dark anime I ever watched. Um, and I just appreciated that it was taking on more serious subjects. Uh, my personal struggles with depression wouldn't really manifest until decade and a half later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then rewatching it after the fact, uh, now that I am struggling with depression and mental illness, uh, I just got a, a whole different appreciation for the show. Specifically, I found that the episode where they talked about the hedgehog's dilemma, mm-hmm. which I learned is a real thing and not just some weird translation, which I thought it was when <laughs> I was a teenager, uh, I found myself really vibing with that. It's just <laughs> interacting with people can be really hard. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a bit of a socially awkward nerd and I kind of just found myself being like, fucking sh- poor Shinji, man. That that blows. Yeah, I have a contentious relationship with Shinji Akari. And that, like, I think that sometimes I see too much of myself in him and in ways that I don't like seeing and I think there's a lot of people who don't like his character for those reasons. I think it hits too close to home and they just can't look themselves in the mirror, as it were. Which isn't to say everybody who doesn't like the show is that way. No. But I think that is definitely a factor in some small part for people's reaction to the character. Is that they see too much of their own humanity in him. Yeah, uh, people who describe... Shinji is too whiny kind of bother me because I feel like they're just not paying attention to what's happening to him because if that was happening to you you'd be probably whining just as much or more I honestly think he kind of takes everything that's happening to him kind of not in stride but like as best as anyone could yeah if you stuck me in a big liquid tube and you flooded it and I had to breathe in liquid. Before you even launch me off that platform, I'm already going to be having a panic attack. Yeah, exactly, right? And then to come up top and see this eldritch whore uh, attack me after I f- fall on my fucking face in a giant robot, and then I feel like my arm's being broken, like, I'm already out, dude. I'm done. Yeah. There's no way we're, I can get back in there. We're finished. And to be fair, that's about as far as Shinji gets, too. But, like, he, at least in the next couple of episodes, learns to pilot the damn thing, which is further than I'd get. I would just be like, no, I'm actually done. Don't ever put me back in that thing. I don't care about my abandonment issues with my dad. There's no amount of praise or potential praise that's going to get me back in that damn water tube. But I think we're also adults now, Sarah, and... I remember myself at Shinji's age and how much I wanted to make my dad happy. Yeah. And I see so much of the, like, dissociation in those early episodes between that and his next fight, where he's just put the target in the center, pull the trigger, put the target in the center, pull the trigger, and he's just, he's not even really there. He's, like, in a fugue state. Yeah. I'd say not comatose. So there's, and that's just over the first few episodes there. There's... There's so much meat to the show, and you guys really should set aside time to check it out. Even if you don't like it, I think you'll get something from it. It's a good show. It's real good. It's one of my favorite things in life. Just period. We've finally done this episode, listener, and you know how many times I have brought up Evangelion before this episode. (laughs) But if that's all you got for me, then we're gonna move into the... Game, which is definitely the name of this game, and it's not just a speed round. So, the way this works is that I just ask you a bunch of questions, and some have been determined beforehand, and some I came across over the course of our conversation, and you just answer them in a timely manner. It's just a speed round. 
You've seen her on all your favorite shows, like The Game Show on CBS this fall. And also this podcast, which I've listened to before. Oh, yes. Oh, well, thank you. Who knew? People actually listen to the show. Sometimes you can't tell. <laughs> person person listens to this show. I don't know about people. Oh, thank you, person. <laughs> You're my number one fan by process of elimination. <laughs> <laughs> so, Seraph, who's your favorite character? Oh, what? I hate all of them, and I love all of them. They all <laughs> suck, and they're all amazing. Uh, I'm going to go out of left field here and say I like Fiatsky. Fiatsky? <laughs> yeah, he just strikes me as the straight shooter. Is it because, sweet Jesus, it's an anti-AT field? <laughs> sweet Jesus, it's an anti-AT field. I, I, I just like him. He doesn't like Gendo, and that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, like, he's begrudgingly there. He's like, fine, I'll be here for Yui, but man, I hate this motherfucker. So, to indulge my inner 14-year-old, fuck, Mary kill. Assuming they're of age. I don't want to do this. Oh, you're going to have to do this. You know what? I'm going to make you do it twice. That's how much I oh, hate you. Oh, Lord. Okay. Fuck, great. Mary kill. The first pairing are all our good boys and girls. Shinji Akari, Rei Ayanami, and Oscar Lingley Soryu. Uh... That's pretty easy. Fuck Asuka, marry Ray, kill Shinji. Okay. Damn. 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 She's gonna do my boy like that? Alright. <laughs> Just... He's not my type. <laughs> uh, and then my second set, because I have to make you do this twice. Masato, Kaji, Karu. Hmm. That's tough. See, I never get this because, like, I like the. I assume that you get to fuck the person you marry because you're married to them. So, I guess like the person you want to fuck is the person who like you only want to do it once, or is it like you get one really good one with them? I would say that the delineation here, if we're gonna if we're gonna tear down and deconstruct what <laughs> fuck marry kill is. It is. Yeah, the, let, let's break down the game a little bit. Is it kill? Obviously, you want to kill them. Easy peasy. Yeah. We all we're all on the same page. Mary is the person that you would want to spend a long term relationship with. Someone that you can see yourself like living and growing with over the course of a lifetime. And fuck is but just. But also, you get to. You also get to fuck that person, though, right? I think the contingency <laughs> is, you only get to fuck the person you're fucking once, but it's like the best fuck. Okay, so then it would be. Oh, this is so hard. Why are you making me do this? Because because you're squirming right now. That's exactly why I'm making you do this. Uh, no, it's just I don't want to kill Kaji or Kaoru. Uh, well, he, if this makes you feel any better, Kaji does kind of sexually assault Masato in that elevator. Yeah. And we'll kind of is that, being then. generous. <laughs> so we'll we'll fuck Kaoru, we'll marry Masato, and we'll kill. Kaji. Okay. I feel like I feel like your kill was correct, but I feel <laughs> like your other two might be a little backwards. Just say, just put nah. that out there. I always had a thing room for Masato. Oh, Masato is great. Don't don't get me wrong. If you could change one thing about the series as a whole, what would it be? Oh, shit. You can't, um, and I want to put this caveat out there as well. You can't say the Netflix dub or sub need to be more watchable <laughs> because we've already been over that. No, no, it wouldn't even be that. Um, I think the biggest thing that sticks in my craw is I want to know where the hell the angels have been all of human existence okay. and why they attack at the time they do. I would want an answer to that. Fair I would enough. put an answer to that somewhere in there. I'm willing to bet those answers are in the Dead Sea Scrolls, but they're never given to the audience. Yeah, but like, where did the Dead Sea Scrolls come from then? I think they found them with one of the progenitors and translated everything. Yeah, so why is that information there? Because Ono likes to fuck with the audience. 
Yeah, see, I want a good answer, an in-universe answer <laughs> to that question. If we if we try to get an in-universe answer for something in Evangelion, we might be here for a while. We're just trying to yeah. go down the list. But yeah, go down Valen. the rabbit hole and piece together little pieces. <laughs> that's why I want it. That's that's why it would be the one thing I would change. Is I would say, here you go. There's just the answer to that one. Fair enough. Seraph, what is your most meaningful moment in regards to the series? Uh, I think the most meaningful moment to me was when I went to the local card shop and uh, they also rented anime there. And I just got to have a, a conversation with uh, with another fan, uh, just happened to be the, the store owner, um, oh, because nice. he uh, he actually had Evangelion on, um, just was watching it. And I was like, oh, is this your first time? And he's like, no, no, I've watched it, you know, however many times um, at that point. Sure. And uh, we just had a really good conversation about, like, you know, how there's a lot of symbology in it and how everything seems to really hit the fan after um after unit one eats the eats zeruel and consumes the the red orb the core and how that's yeah the, the core the, the obtains the, the s2, s2 engine. engine and how that's like uh sort of an analog to um you know consuming the forbidden fruit in genesis mm-hmm and I was like, yeah, that's, that's a really cool take on that. And I don't know, I just that conversation really meant a lot to me. We talked about favorite characters. Who are your favorite angels? Let's go top three. Okay, so top three are Adam. Specifically Adam, the giant of light. Not okay. Who's, who's in the show for all of like literally two seconds. Yeah, like frames. Yeah. Frames at a time. Uh, I just think it's cool. I like the idea of a giant of light. Yeah. Just, it's evocative. looks cool. Um, then Ramiel, because he's awesome, and the fucking rebuild Ramiel is so dope. So cool. And then I really like Satchiel, uh, the third angel. Um, I just think his whole shtick is cool. The mm-hmm. fight's cool just seeing how impervious he is to everything is cool not that the others aren't it's just it's just a really good intro it's a very iconic design too and then my last question for you is if people have listened to this episode and somehow don't hate us both right now and (laughs) are and are now at the end of this and they thought wow evangelion sounds pretty dope now I watched all of that, and I'm not in the middle of an existential crisis. What else should I check out? Could you give me three recommendations for them? That's really hard, because Evangelion is so unique. Mm-hmm. I'll go with some of the anime I watched at the same time that maybe didn't give me the same feel, but like in my brain at least, the nostalgia is similar. Sure. Um, I really liked the Trigun anime. Trigun's super dope. It does not um, get talked about nearly enough. No, Trigun is really good, and it's got, like, some similar religious vibes to it, but not really, but sort of. Um, I really like X, uh, X 1999. Is that the, the series or the OVA? The series. Okay. I watched the OVA. It's, I don't know, it's just not as good. The series is better. Sure. Uh, the ending is better in the movie, though, so take that for what you will. Um, and then, I don't know, Full Metal Alchemist? Full Metal Alchemist 03, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Full Metal Alchemist the manga? The manga, in my opinion, is okay. the, the, best, the best way to consume it. Might not be the most accessible, because mm-hmm. reading is definitely more work than watching. But, For sure. Uh, I think it's the best experience of the franchise. I think that holds true. It is worth saying that Brotherhood and O3, I believe, are both on Netflix. Um, at least Brotherhood so. is on Crunchyroll in both languages. So, like, if you want to see... And Brotherhood is... Brotherhood's pretty faithful to the manga. Yes. It changes a handful of things, 
but they're mm-hmm. things that if you haven't read the manga in a while, you may not even remember are different. So yeah, I think that works. And I'm never going to not tell somebody to check out Fullmetal Alchemist. Can I recommend something that's good, but like just specifically not because of Evangelion? I don't think that's illegal. <laughs> I mean... You're going to hate me for this, but you're going to understand why I make that distinction. Uh, and I, you know what it is, right? Madoka Magica. And... I found Magicka because of Evangelion, mm-hmm. because people make the comparison. All the fucking time. I do not think they are similar in the ways that people say they are, mm-hmm. but it's still a good show, Fair. and I liked it. Well, I think that's all for our speed round questions. I think that's I think that's about all I got for you. Well, thanks for coming on. Is there anything that you wanted to plug while I got you here? Twitch.tv slash IV Sarah 4 and uh, twitter.com slash x Sarah well I dear listener am on twitter at Dallas Mulligan don't follow me there though because it's all just politics and you'll hate me do follow the show at mindful self pod and uh, you can actually also email us at mindful self pod at gmail.com so do that maybe and strike up a conversation and talk about maybe what you want to see on the show moving forward and talk about past episodes or this episode, which will be a past episode. By the time you're hearing this, it will have been in the past. It's too late. Yes. But thanks again for calling on, Sarah. I appreciate it. Mindful Self-Indulgence is a Retrograde Orbit Radio production. If you like the show, tell your friends and make sure to rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. For more from the Retrograde Orbit Radio family, check out RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Would you say that they would be the best as Unit 1 of many? Get out. Of one? Of Unit 1? Like the... Guys, it's like the thing. It's like... Go home. It's like the robot mom. It's like the... It's like...